Welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of Your Money Personal Finance Podcast. Hi, I'm David Pratt, along with Peter Shushecki. Welcome aboard, Dave. Nice to have you. And I just want to give a shout out to John Abbott, who was our host in yeah. Season 1, has moved on to other pastures across the land, uh, over to the East Coast somewhere, probably doing hockey. And uh, looking forward to Season 2 with you, Dave. I'm, I'm sure it'll get a little edgy because we've been known for that yes. in our previous yes. life on some radio station. So <laughs> uh, we, should have a lot, we should have a lot of fun with this. Okay, keep your head up, okay? Because it's coming at yeah. you. All right. <laughs> All right, let's get where it really begins, okay? The Omni Formula Financial Plan. So what is the exact purpose of a plan? A financial plan is really more than anything to get you organized with your finances Create goals, targets, if you will, or create a roadmap. And that's what the Omni formula, we basically equate it to a GPS in your car, basically to give you a clear picture of where you are right now and where you're going to go down the road. And then, of course, the means and the, and the roadmap and the directions and the strategies to get you from point A to B to C and wherever else you want to go. It is a financial plan, Omni formula, is not just a retirement plan. And that's unfortunately the way these things are sold. Well, if you do this, you're going to have this when you retire. Well, <laughs> what if it's not retirement? What if it's a new car in two years? Who knows? So really just direction to get you to where you want to go. Well, what should all plans then be based on? Basically you, the individual who the plan is built around, your goals, your dreams, more importantly, your cash flow. Now we don't use the B word ever because I've been told that's a bad word as in budget. It's not a financial planner's right to tell you what you can spend and what, you know, don't buy this, buy that, only spend a percentage on this. True registered financial planners work on your cash flow. Figure out what you're spending, how much is left over or what it's for, and where is the best place to put it? What is the best strategy to get you from point A to point B. Because you know what, Dave? There's one important thing with all of this and all this financial planning and the Omni formula, whatever other company wants to call it. Bottom line, pay yourself first because you don't know what to, what's around the corner for tomorrow. And sometimes it's not good. So yes, plan for tomorrow, but also the big thing about the Omni formula, live for today. Well, it sounds simple, but how many Canadians really do have a plan? None. No, yeah. Not quite, but <laughs> not many. Um, there's very, I mean, you can play with stats as much as you want. Look at what's going on in the political climate today and how stats are played with all the time. Sure. And we're from the sports world, Dave. We know yeah. all about stats, but really the percentage is extremely low yeah. of how many have a plan. Now, the thing is, a lot of people think they have a plan, and we get a lot of them across our desk to evaluate for people. And I talk to a lot of my colleagues across the country and they, and they all say the same message. A lot of people from those big institutions come in with what they think is a plan. It's not a plan. It's a bunch of projections. If you go into the office and your person at the institution gives you what's called a plan and it's, well, if you do this much into RSPs and this much into your TFSA and you earn this much, you're going to have X at the end, not a plan. Just a bunch of freaking projections that say, if you do this and if you do that, you're going to be here at the end. Guess what? You don't need to go to see some high-priced person in a suit. You can do that on the internet with your own search engines and your own calculators. A plan is way more than that. It's tax strategies. It's full transparency of fees. It's how do I make my money go further so that I don't have to work harder? I work smarter. 
the plan is the story. The projections are the research. Well, then how much of this, the money, should you have before you start a plan? Five cents. Oh, <laughs> start the, the best really? is, of course, I heard this yesterday, actually, from someone that they call the person who advertises on a local Vancouver radio station. Not everything financial. That's okay. They, and good advertisements, good person. Um, but if they don't have a million dollars, they don't want to talk to you. Yeah. We'll talk to people at 50 bucks. I mean, the best way to start is at the beginning. It's, it's, it's harder to start when it's all broken and stuff's all over the map. I mean, we do it all the time to give people direction and clarity. But start at the beginning. Start when you're in your 20s or 30s. And maybe your plan is not so much a plan on the, on the full scale of the Omni formula, but maybe your plan is just getting a TFSA to help you with your student debt or you know your first job that you're making some good coin at and you start a basic RSP you're saving for that first house or a car. It could be anything. Again, it's not retirement. Or you're young, you're starting out, newly married with a child. Well, maybe your plan is more about insurance to make sure the family's looked after. It can be all sorts of different things. The earlier you start, though, the easier it is, and the easier it is to reach your goals along the way. But really, an important thing, Dave, don't just create a plan, throw it in a drawer. Okay. It's meant to be reviewed and updated every single year. Then that gets us to transparency, which I think is absolutely critical. Let's talk about that. Uh, transparency is, is all sorts of things in a plan. Unfortunately, in Canada, there's not many who have to be transparent. And what transparency means is letting the client know what they're paying for and where there's money, where their money is going. And, and registered financial planners have to be completely transparent and let clients know what we get paid. Yeah. It's not a dirty word, making money. I mean, they have to know. The most important thing in transparency, though, and I know we've talked about this in earlier episodes, and I'll continue to beat this drum till it's dead, is your investments. That's where the real lack of transparency comes in, can in Canada, is fees. What are you paying for? Now, if your <clears throat> registered financial planner is using what we call a portfolio manager, that's the, the, the short version, or the acronym is kind of the Investment Council Planning Model, uh, ICPM. They're using portfolio managers. Portfolio managers are the only ones who are fiduciaries in Canada. They have to be completely transparent. They have to disclose all the fees on a statement. And unfortunately, still, in the mutual fund business in Canada, it's not transparent. You may find out about your MER, your management expense ratio, and people are being told, that's the only fee. Uh, not the case. Or here's the best one yet. There's this thing called um, about getting what's called your trailer fees in Canada, where at the end of the year on a statement, you will see what a trailer fee is. And there's nothing wrong with a trailer fee. That's what your mutual fund salesperson is being paid to help assist you look after your investments, whatever the case may be, whatever they want to call it. They get paid that. Nothing wrong with that. I People think I'm against all that. Nothing wrong with that. The problem is not all of them, but many are telling the client that that's the only fee. Well, no, that's their trailer fee is their commission or trailer fee, fair enough, but that's not the only fee you're paying. That fee comes out of, or that commission, if you will, or trailer fee, comes out of the other fees. So in Canada, unfortunately, we have a real lack of transparency. As you know, Dave, I also work in the US and, and do financial planning in the US, and I know we make jokes about the US all the time, except 
full transparency. You So we abide by their rules, which are what, much more strict in Canada. And just make sure we tell people everything. Uh, I think I think the public deserves to know all the true fees. It's about learning the language of money. And I want to get to this. Okay, what does GPS in the Omni formula really mean? Okay, talk to me in small words so I can understand. Little syllables. Yeah, little, little words. Guidance okay. is the first one in the GPS. Right. So guidance is what the advisor should be giving you, not direction, not orders, but guidance, suggestions. Maybe there's two or three ways to get you from point A to point B. Guidance, second word, performance. So performance doesn't mean that, wow, we're going to put you in these investments and you're going to earn 8, 9, 10, 12%. Nothing could be further from the truth. Here's the deal with the performance part of GPS. When you build a plan, if you find out in your plan, you only need to earn 5% to reach your goals. That's low volatility. Why would you build a plan chasing 8, 9, 10, 12%? Now, more power to the person if it's a good, crazy year like we've come out of here with the tail end of COVID and what the numbers are in last half of 2020, first half of 2021, 2021, the numbers are crazy. But performance doesn't mean, well, I'll get you a better return than that person. And here's the caution for people. If you take your statements and hand your statements to an advisor, <laughs> I say a mutual fund salesperson, okay. and they'll advise you all, right? They'll take those statements. They'll go research all the mutual funds available. And I will give you the Dave Pratt guarantee. Oh, good. Oh, they, good. They will find a group of investments that will outperform what you have now. It's the oldest sales thing in the book. It's called fund picking and rate chasing. But that doesn't mean that's what they would have picked for you last year. Hindsight's great, isn't it? We can, we can all say we should have picked this player in the draft who was seventh or fourth round when he becomes a superstar down the road. But yeah, that's great to look in the rear view mirror and do that. All right. Performance is all about building a plan that targets what do you need to reach your goals. And then you go to the portfolio manager and they build a portfolio that matches the plan. So they what came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, the plan came first, the portfolio came second. Which gets us to the costs of a financial you know, plan. Um, and there's this little thing called, and you, you sort of touched on it. So let's get into this, these hidden fees, which are a little scary for someone who doesn't really speak the language. Yeah. Having, having built in fees of two and a half to four and a half percent, you'll see those ones that often, but yeah. you still see them in your investments takes away from your return. Now I talk a lot about fees and people say, well, you know, the fee it doesn't matter what the fee is really. I mean, lower is better, obviously to a degree, but disclosure is more important. Knowing what the fee is first now, and then the most important thing is what are you getting for the fee? So I'll have someone come in and our portfolio managers that we use are all about the 2% fee. They're, they're, they're all fully disclosed 2%. Out of that 2%, they also pay everything financial. So we just, we have to disclose that in writing to the clients. That's not a problem, but. The big thing is, what are you getting for your 2% or if your mutual fund is 3.5% and so on? And then all, for your, all you're getting is the mutual fund salesperson asking like they, acting like they've done you a big favor and putting you in a basket of funds that really they aren't even involved in. It's the mutual fund company who manages that. 
And a lot of times nowadays, it's an algorithm that manages it and just follows the market. Why are you paying 4% if you're not getting a plan, if you're not getting tax advice, if you're not getting assistance and direction with your will and power of attorneys and, and you know help with your mortgage and so on? If you're just getting a bunch of projections, what are you really paying for? To the other note, though, you can go to some of these online things and think you're getting, you know, by paying 1% for what's called an exchange traded fund, which is a, a mutual fund run by an algorithm without, with a bunch of the fees stripped out, which is great. If you want no service, no advice, no direction, no guidance, no strategies, buy an ETF with an algorithm because you're not paying for that little bit of extra service. But the stats are out there very clearly. Instead of paying in the average ETF and an equity thing, you're going to be all in one and a half percent, one and a quarter percent or whatever. But it's been shown when you go with the investment council planning model and pay that extra three quarters of a percent, roughly, and, and we're being generic, but it's really close. Your average return in a year has been shown to be about 4.4% higher. So not only do they outperform the extra three quarters of a percent, they do it more and above that. And the reason is, Dave, in a plan, and this is a key part of a plan, using a portfolio company, the difference is it's what's called active management. They're watching the market. They're, they have discretionary trading. They're allowed to make changes. Registered financial planner doesn't do that. We don't do that. We build a plan. We leave that to the portfolio manager but they will make changes within your risk level that are in your best interest. And active management is key in long-term performance of a plan. At the end of the day, this is all about saving for retirement. So tax planning, all of it, which again, the minute we get into this sort of stuff, you know, I just sort of glaze over a little bit, but how important- <laughs> Like a lot of people. Yeah, like a lot of people with it, because it's a different language that I don't speak fluently, all right? But the critical part of it is retirement. Let's let's be honest about it. Let's get into this. Yeah. Retirement is probably 80% of employees' plans is based around retirement. And that's where with the Omni formula, we talk about the work optional lifestyle. Yeah. And what does the work optional lifestyle mean? I think I think you're doing it right now, Dave. Yes. You've got the work optional lifestyle. You're working and you're yeah. not really working. But okay, okay. Okay. The, the work optional lifestyle, a lot of times, people think, oh, I want to retire at 55. I want to retire at this. Well, work optional lifestyle is two things. One, once we can show you that you can retire, retire. Okay. Work because you want to work, not because you have to work. And it's amazing how much your stress level will go down when you're working because you know tomorrow you could just go, screw it, I'm done, I'm packing the up going golfing somewhere, whatever the case may be. That's the one part of it, of the work optional lifestyle. The other part's completely opposite what a lot of people will do. And, and I know a lot of people who do this, and this is what they want to do. They might work till 65 or 70 or 75. But what they do is they start their retirement at 40. 45. Dave's looking at me glazed over again. What the heck does that mean? Well, that means all those holidays you think you might wait to take till you're 45 or 50 or six, or sorry, 55, 65, 75, whatever the case may be, start taking them at 40 and 45. So hike Machu Picchu when you're 40 and the legs work and you can actually do it. Go play St. Andrews when, when you're in your prime. Okay. Like, you know, go to the Antarctic while it's still there. 
<laughs> I mean, yes. you know, and still, and still frozen. But do those things while you're younger. Don't wait to go, hey, I'm going to do all these things when I'm 65 or 70 because what if, not to be Mr. Doom and Gloom, what if 65 or 70 doesn't come? Do the things when you're healthy. So you work to be retired a little bit every year and there's nothing wrong with that. And that is the other part, the other side of the spoon, if you will, of the work optional lifestyle is working, enjoying it. You have to though, express that to your registered financial planner and make sure those things are built into your plan. You know, the extra $10,000 a year for travel. And, and that'll mean less savings for retirement because you're not trying to save this big massive pot of money to give you a ten dollars or $20,000 a year retirement budget. Instead, you're, you're spending that every single year. I know with the pandemic we've gone through in 2020, 2021, there's a lot of people with a lot of money saved up for travel. And I tell you what, when this thing gets to the point that people go, either it's in the rear view mirror. I don't know if politicians ever want to let this thing be in the rear view mirror. There's a bit yeah. of a control factor there. Oh, Peter got controversial. Um, but people are just eventually going to go, it. I'm going to travel. <laughs> uh, well, look at Hawaii. Yeah. Hawaii's opening up and Hawaii's being booked in record numbers because people just, for your own mental well-being, need to get away. Be safe, be vaccinated, all that for sure. But eventually people have to go somewhere or as the old saying goes, they may go postal. Who knows what will happen? They, You know what? They're probably not happy people to be around if they need a holiday. And And with that being said, who got ripped off the most in the pandemic? People who waited to retire at 65, because guess what? Their travel time is maybe 10 years. They've just missed 20% of their travel with 2020 and 2021 being shut down. Another reason to start that travel earlier. Because what about when COVID pandemic 25 hit? Gosh knows. Let's, let's hope not. Says that tongue in cheek. But what if something happens down the road where your travel gets restricted? Start it earlier when you can. Travel when you can. Don't just wait till retirement. Which gets to, to me, the cornerstone, which is the mortgage, the house, get it paid. There's a right way to do this, that you can do both things. In other words, your financial plan, as well as you just talked about, living your life. Yeah. Spending every dime you have and every waking hour of the day to, to chase a mortgage and pay it off isn't always the smartest way to do your plan. If you're in a half-decent tax bracket, and I mean, and I mean that in a bad way, north of 40%. And in BC, trust me, we know about high tax brackets. People, don't listen to what John Horgan says that we have the lowest taxes in Canada. Yes, in the very low, low tax bracket. But if you make money, we have the first and second highest taxes in Canada. Okay, I got that out of the way. Um, <laughs> but, but the mortgage... Make your mortgage, and we're going to be doing a podcast on this in about four weeks, it'll be released, but make your mortgage tax deductible. That's a whole podcast all on its own. Yeah. So sometimes having a mortgage is not a bad thing because otherwise you can be house rich, yeah. paid off, cash poor, no money to go to a movie. So you have to find the right, there's a big word here, balance between the two. And that's what a financial plan is all about. How much to the house? How much to the car? How much to travel? How much to the kids' education? 
What should I be spending on life insurance to protect my family? If me or my spouse pass away and we have to raise the kids, there's, what if I get disabled and can't work anymore? How much needs to be invested in that to make sure there's a paycheck coming into the household? That's all that goes into a financial plan. It, there's so many moving parts. A financial plan is really a money puzzle. And you have to find out what your priorities are, where your money needs to go. And then the registered financial planner gives you guidance. And that third letter after performance, the S, strategies to reach those goals. So it all has to work together. Because in life, expect the unexpected. I mean, that, that's the thing is that you, you've got a plan and then all of a sudden, you know, the sky falls and it, it just, it happens all the time. So let's get on to an emergency fund. Uh, how important is that knowing that we can't see the future? Uh, emergency fund is really important. Uh, two to three times income. Sometimes an emergency fund, Dave, doesn't have to be cash. Yeah. An emergency fund can be a line of credit that you have access to just in case something happens. But that's key in building your plan. And you're not going to have an emergency fund right away when you start out with a financial plan. You're going to work towards an emergency fund. Um, but your financial planner... If they're coming to you and going, okay, I want you to put this much into TFSAs and this much into RSPs and this much into this and this much into that, go time out. Let's take a step back. What am I going to put away from my emergency fund? How much do I need for that? And that's one of the things you need to, to go over is money for just in case. Because at Everything Financial, we have a really, really, now pay attention, Dave, because I yep. know you want me to go slow for you. Okay, okay for, we have a small real, words. Real, small words, small words, small words, easy for me to say on, yeah. on the morning. Real technical term we use with every plan. We're going to plan for the worst case scenario. We always plan for the worst case scenario. If we can take care of the worst case scenario, everything else is gravy after that. So that's what should be built into your plan. Always know worst case scenario because everything else after that is sunshine and rainbows. Which gets us to healthcare. I know that we all like to think that we're going to live forever, as you just pointed out. Um, expect the unexpected. Well, I am, you? Yeah. Well, that's I that's mean, the way. I, every morning I wake up and look in the mirror. I go, okay, we're, we're, we're living okay, forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did it. <laughs> Don't call my banker. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. But to do all that, you got to stay healthy, and that gets you down to healthcare. And I know that we, you know, we live in a great country, and we, you know, we have all those those things that are that we like to think are there for us. But let's talk about things like life insurance and disability insurance and critical illness insurance, which I really don't want to talk about. But but it's got to be part of this plan, does it not? It does have to be part of the plan. the The one that's oversold the oversold the most yeah. is life insurance. Really, and, and don't get me wrong, people. It's extremely important, absolutely. But people sometimes buy way too much. And your registered financial planner should have a great piece of software to do something called survivor income. So the question people take notes or play this back later, yeah. you need to be asked is from the financial planner. First off, and this is a simple question. Imagine that if your spouse passed away, but all your bills were paid. You still have your income. Spouse is gone. You're raising 2.3 kids. I'd, I've never known what a third of a kid looks like, but hey, you're raising 2.3 kids. Talk to the accountant. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, the, all the debts are paid. Mortgage paid, cars yeah. paid, credit yeah. cards are eliminated. Okay, the next day is there now. Your spouse is gone. Yeah. What do you need over and above your income 
that you're already bringing home yeah. to raise your children. That's the survivor income. Give that one some thought. That's a key component of, a, of a calculating your life insurance. The other part of that is how long do you need that survivor income for? Do you need it until uh, the kids are 20, 22 out of the house? Oh, gosh, let's hope they're out of the house. Um, gone to university. Yeah. Uh, do you need more survivor income until the youngest turns 12 to 14 years old and you don't need as much daycare anymore? Big thing to think about. But don't be oversold by the insurance salesman. Talk to a registered financial planner to figure out your insurance needs as part of your plan. Because if you go to the insurance salesperson, the only thing you're going to get is insurance. There'll yeah. be no money left for yeah. anything else. Um, that's the life insurance part of it. Because at the end of the day, um, and again, I'm going to start talking about you know words that make me kind of cringe when, when I say them. Okay, will estate, uh, power of attorney. How important are these things in your life as we get older? They're really important because let's let's tie these into the insurance here. The will with the life insurance, what's needed if, if I'm gone. The power of attorney, well, what if you can't act for yourself? What if you can't answer those questions? What if, Dave, you become disabled yes. and can't work anymore? Disability insurance and making sure things are represented for you properly by your loved ones with the power of attorney or representation agreement are extremely important because I, I think, and this is an opinion, because I've never been known to have No, 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 no. Um, I realized not that. Not at all. No. Yeah. Disability insurance is the most important because take this the right way. I remember I said this once and I got smacked. <laughs> um, and you know who by. Yes, um, I know exactly. It, life insurance, well, I'm dead. Doesn't affect me. I'm yeah, gone. Yeah. Really. It, it doesn't matter. Yes, it matters to the loved ones you leave behind, but I'm dead. Doesn't matter. But think about this. Disability insurance. You're still here. And you can be a drain physically, yeah. Yeah. mentally, financially on your family. Making sure you have the right amount of disability insurance is key. And the right type of definition in your plan that will protect you to 65. Because disability insurance goes, like the, the payments will go to 65. There's the odd policy out there will go to 70, but the majority is 65. That's where the power of attorney and representation agreement come in. What if your disability is so traumatic you can't speak for yourself and in your own best interest. Wow. Having that power of attorney done is for a spouse. I know of a case recently where the spouse had has had quite quickly some horrible health things happen, disability. Thank goodness there's a power of attorney in place. Uh, that's key because in this case, that spouse cannot answer for themselves anymore. And it happened literally in less than 24 hours. As I say, a blink of an eye. Wow. So making sure that stuff ties in. So getting the insurance, the life insurance, the disability, the critical illness, which we'll talk about in a second, is important. But the vehicle to manage those things if something happens is just as important. It's kind of like having the plan and putting it in the drawer and never looking at it again. Eventually, it becomes stale-dated. Yeah. Well, the will, the power of attorney and everything else. Like when, you, when you look at your will and you realize Aunt Martha is my executor, Aunt Martha's been gone for 25 years. Yeah. It might be a good idea to update it. Yeah. Just a thought. Yeah. Just just thinking you might need to. But you know, that's how all those things work together. Because you really don't want the lawyers to get involved, right? As little as possible, because again, what's it all about? It's about putting more money in your yes. pocket in the end. But more than that, I mean, we can make lawyer jokes all the time. Yeah. But it's being prepared. It's making sure you have everything in place 
for just in case. Again, worst case scenario. Make sure you have that stuff done. And the will is a key. It should be one of the first questions the financial planner asks you when you're putting a plan together. Do you have a will? Is your will up to date? Have a look at it. And the biggest thing people need to decide is executor, guardian for the children. Who's going to look after things? And when you and your spouse can sort that out, get the will done. It's important. And review the will every five years and just make sure it's up to date. I'm going through a will change right now. I'm bringing some things up to date that are, you know, I did a review and it's like, okay, we got to fix this. We got to fix that. So you definitely want to get those things done at some point. So here we're talking about the, the comprehensive financial plan, okay, which, which again makes me nervous and I start to twitch. So, so stick with me here for a second. But you put together what you would call the Omni Formula. Explain what that is and how it can make this not only work, but understandable. Well, the Omni Formula, which we've alluded to different segments of it, but the Omni Formula is really about a five-step process to lead you, it's, it's, it's everything financials, proprietary system to lead you to a work optional lifestyle. We've talked about the work optional lifestyle, the proprietary system, the Omni formula is driven by guidance, performance, and strategies. We've talked about that. So that's all important. But really what goes into it? Well, it starts out with an evaluation of your initial plan. Imagine uh, your initial plan is like plugging in the coordinates to the GPS of where am I right now? So the first part is with any GPS system is you have to have a starting point. If you're going to, if you say, I'm going to go for a road trip to, oh, I know this is going to make you cringe. Okay. I'm going to go for a road trip to Toronto. They start to break out I, and hide. I, I got to go. I, I'll, I'll be right back. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to do a road trip to Toronto. I'm choosing this for a reason as long as yeah. the way. Okay. But 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 really, Dave, wouldn't it be important yeah. to know, am I starting in Vancouver? Yeah. Or am I starting in PEI? Completely different path to get yeah. to Toronto because it is the center of the universe. If you're not sure, just ask anyone from there. Sure. They'll tell you. Yeah, or a Leaf fan. You, yeah. You, yeah, you have to know how you're going to get there. So that's the first part is the initial plan. That's key. So that's the first part of the financial plan. The second part is you start to work on what's called the recommended plan. So... I have the initial plan. I know where I'm starting. As part of that, you need to know the goals. Where am I going? So in this case, the joke is we did this for fun. I'm going to Toronto. That's the destination or the destination is retirement. So then the recommended plan is the part that has the strategies, the turn-by-turn instructions of how do I get from point A to point B? And what turns do I need to make along the way? So that's, and that takes about, really about five steps to build that whole thing together with us because there's a lot of evaluation. There's a lot of education involved in getting to that point A to point B. But here's the most important part. And make sure you get this from every planner you talk to. When is our scheduled review? Because what what's the one thing that happens, Dave, when you use a GPS, inevitably, you make a wrong turn. And you get that annoying voice going, turn left here, make a U-turn here. Well, at Everything Financial, we're the people who want to let you know you've made a wrong turn. So how you do that is review the plan every year, not the investments. The investments might be reviewed quarterly, semi-annually, every year as well. Reviewing the investments is not reviewing the plan. Reviewing the plan is everything that goes into it. And here's an important part of reviewing the plan to find out if you've made a wrong turn to find out if you're off track or 
your goals are different because you suddenly had an epiphany of wisdom and you realized, I don't want to go to Toronto. I just want to go to Banff or Jasper. But you've already made it to Saskatchewan. Gosh knows why. Um, sorry, Rough Rider fans. There so you, you have to make a turn and get yourself on the right path. The key is reviewing the plan. And in that plan, it's very important because, yes, investments are going to be part of it. But when your advisor, your, your registered financial planner reviews the plan, they should have a column that says, where do these investments need to be? What do the values need to be? So I'm on track to reach my goal. See how everything works together. So it's not just, oh, if I invest this much in an RSP and I earn this much, I'm going to have this much. Who gives a crap? That doesn't tell you anything. The point is, where do those investments need to be a year from now, two years from now, five years from now to reach that goal 10 years or 15 years from now? And that's what goes into the Omni formula. I mean, you know, in a nutshell, that's how we do it. And I, and um, have a look at that roadmap that we've got on the screen and see what I'm talking about from point A to point B. You need to be given direction by your financial planner. You need to be given the, the education on what those steps are. And that's why we have this map to show you how to get from here to there to there so clients can follow along. Because our biggest job is not really to build plans, even though we love our Omni formula. It's not to sell investments, insurance, disability, critical illness, mortgages, do taxes, all that stuff. Our biggest responsibility is to educate the client and make sure their wishes their goals can be achieved. Not mine. It's not my money. I'm just, I'm a caretaker. I'm an educator. My job is to teach them what to do, how to get there and inform them. It's not my money. It's your money. And hence why we decided, you know, years ago, this name was easy to come up with your money because it really is your money. And anyone who's working on a plan for you and looks like they're putting their interests before your interests, I have a very very simple solution. Any guess on what the solution is, Dave? Tell yourself the truth. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. Put on your put on your most comfortable shoes and run like hell for the door. Okay. Because if you realize you're being sold, not educated and yeah. guided, run. Because there's a lot of great registered financial planners out there. You just have to find the one that you connect with, you trust, you build a relationship with, and you truly know that they're putting your interest because yeah. they're acting as a fiduciary. That's what a fiduciary does, puts your interests above their interests. That's the key. See, the thing is, I connect that trust that you're talking about with the truth, which is you know what, what I put on the table here. And because I don't speak the language, you do. I'll, I'll catch every fourth or fifth word and go, okay, I know what that means, sort of, a little like bit. Like most okay. people. Like most people, yeah. okay. Um, Absolutely. Because it is a different language, okay? So how do you... As as an average Canadian out there planning for retirement, know where the truth is and what it actually looks like. This is a little self-serving. No, watch though, our that, podcast. Watch our sure. podcast go onto our website because we're we're doing yeah. a big new section. We have a new social media director in our company, and we're adding a whole bunch of stuff to our website. Okay. We're not going to get every client, every person in Canada to be a client of everything financial. Gosh knows we couldn't handle it anyways. Because again, there's a lot of other good people. I have a lot of good colleagues I meet with every year across the country. How do you know 
look that they're giving you guidance, look that they're giving you education, building that trust, and they're taking their time. Here's a big one. Every meeting that they do with you is followed up with a written explanation and a detailed explanation of a summary of that meeting. They're willing to put it in writing. And if you're a registered financial planner in this day and age is not using the investment council planning model or a portfolio manager, ask them why. Like, why not? Why aren't you using a fiduciary to manage my investments who has lower fees, full disclosure, is active management in my best interest? Yes, you, Mr. Mutual Fund salesperson, you're going to make lower commissions. But who is it about? You or me, the Mr. and Mrs. Client? Is it about my money? So our job and what we're putting on our website and what I always say I, I try and do, I want to teach you, the listener, you, the viewer, to go out there, find your person that you connect with. But I want you to ask the questions that you didn't even know you're supposed to ask. That's the key. And that's coming up in another um, podcast we'll do where we'll kind of teach people the 10 questions to ask because we've got to go into them in detail on why you're asking. But that's the key, learning the questions to ask. And you asking for full disclosure and transparency in writing of what the fees are, what the embedded fees are, what the hidden fees are, what's the discretionary marketing fee, what's the investment management fee. I'm going to have to play this back when I start going that fast. But those are the things you need to know. And you deserve to know. If, if Okay, Dave, Brenda goes to get the car fixed yep. because gosh knows you probably won't do it. You no, no. Walk in Bentley. Yeah, I'll just take but that. Bre yeah, Brenda goes to get the car fixed. I know, Brenda. I have a hunch. She probably gets a quote and finds out what she's paying for. Why should your biggest asset, your money, yeah. be any different? Why shouldn't you have a quote to know what you're paying for? That's one of the biggest things you can do as a consumer with your money is get all those things in writing. Get a letter of engagement before, and, and we do that before we create the Omni formula, a letter of engagement disclosing how we get paid, what we get paid, what goes into the creation of the plan and what it costs. There's nothing wrong with talking about fees, commissions, money, etc. The key is you should know what it is. That's how you build that trust, build that relationship with full disclosure, full transparency. That's the important part. So how do I book a no obligation appointment? <laughs> To, to get all those answers for me. How do I how do I do that? Well, you've already done that. Just phone my cell phone. <laughs> but, <laughs> but without me giving out that information, yeah. Go to everythingfinancial.com. Go for the we have offices near you. Yes, you um, go to go to if you're on the island, you go to the Victoria office. You're in the South Surrey, South Langley, White Rock area, go to the White Rock office. Go to the Langley office, but go to everythingfinancial.com. The thing is, we look after clients all across Canada, all across BC. We look after clients. There's also the Scottsdale office in the US. Go there, talk to our admin staff. They will send you out an introduction of what's involved in the Omni formula, what we do in a plan, how we're going to get started. 
And then that first meeting is really that. It's an introduction of everything we do, guiding, giving you some insight into the roadmap of how we will get you from point A to point B. But more importantly, really, more than all that stuff, it's about seeing if it's a good fit. Yeah. And I tell people when they come in, if we don't have that connection, you're best not to go and come to see us. It's okay. I, I'm a big boy. <laughs> like I can, I can take it. it. We're not for everybody because as my late mother always used to say, and I'm going to warn people about this. And you know this, Dave, because you know me yeah. quite well. She used to say, Peter, you have no tact. And I used to say, thanks, mom. I always thought that was a compliment. But um, what that really means is, though, we don't beat around the bush. We hit you right between the eyes. We don't sugarcoat it. We tell it like it is. And that's what you want from your registered financial planner. You don't want them to make you always think things are, you know, rainbows and unicorns and everything's perfect because sometimes things aren't perfect. And if they're not perfect, you want to know how do we get them from not perfect to as close to perfect as we can. And yeah, go to everythingfinancial.com, call one 4421 book a Zoom meeting if you want to, if it's not close to you. And we'll spend 45 minutes letting you know what we're all about. And then you, and then we don't bother you. Yeah. Then we let you go on your merry way and we want you back when it's time for you and you feel comfortable. You're not going to get the annoying third, fourth, fifth phone call saying, come in, come in, see us. You know what? Because we're not a sales company. We're not. We're a solution-based financial planning firm. We want you to come to us for solutions, not products. Before we get out of here, how cool is it to have your own YouTube channel? Yeah, well, it's pretty cool. Pretty <laughs> I mean, cool. I must say, it's a little, it's, it honestly, it's a little humbling. And you've known me. A long time. We've known each other yeah. for about four. Well, actually, we're coming up on the four-year anniversary of when we started radio together back in the uh, sports. I'm on that other station. Yeah. That, okay. yeah. that Bell Days. Yeah. Bell Days. Yeah, we just swore. Um, not really because I do a lot of the great stuff with CTV still, and I love those people yeah. over there. Okay. But but it's, it's humbling. And, and you know this, one of the weirdest things. And, and you know me, I am the furthest thing from a celebrity. I'm a, I'm a registered financial planner who has a passion for what I do. I love meeting people. I love creating plans. I love nothing more than going to a client and going, here, you have all this money extra, more than we need for your plan. Go spend it. That is so cool to be able to do that. But it's um, pretty humbling, just like you know the first time I was kind of recognized on the street. I didn't know what to do. Like, well, wait a minute, who are you talking to? Me? It happened the other day, and I still looked around the corner, like, who are they talking to? And it's, uh, but I'm glad people recognize us. I'm glad they know what we do. If 90% of those people watching the YouTube stuff and watching the podcast go elsewhere, but they get good service, they get educated, and they get full transparency and full disclosure, that's, that's it. Educate Canadians on what to do and, and empower them to look after their money. As always, great to talk to you, Peter. We will do this again very, very soon. Thanks, Dave. Thanks a lot for doing this. Appreciate it. In the meantime, also just to remind you that uh, coming up next on season two will be episode two. Uh, that's Your Money, Personal Finance Podcast. Uh, Peter, great stuff. Talk soon. Thanks, Dave. Have a great day.